last nose water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Let's get all, all the noises for people that love mouth noises. Yeah. And the water. Oh, I'm not dry. Okay, we're good. Let's do it. Sunny, now that you're drinking, what's your safe word? <laughs> Uh, it, well, now I'm I'm mostly a top. So I my safe words used to be when I bottomed. I Sinatra was a big one. Sinatra was one for a while. Welcome back to What's Your Safe Word. I'm Amp, and today I have the the lovely guest, not Daddy, uh, but the lovely guest, Sunny Megatron, to the show. How are you doing today, Sunny? <laughs> I'm doing really good. And I thought you called me daddy, which I don't mind. I do like to be called that. <laughs> I'm totally into the gender factory. And I'm like, oh, we're going to start the interview like this. Great. But, I, you know, if you want to call me daddy, you have my permission. No, I <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, I can call you whatever you'd like. I respect all pronouns here. Um, <laughs> all pronouns and preferred uh, kink titles. Would that be what, what that would be called? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, well, Sunny, for people that don't know who you are, which how dare they, uh, you are not only a podcaster, but a content creator, a blogger, a speaker, an educator in all ways, shapes, and forms. Um, but you've also been a producer for a show on Showtime, which was called, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but it was Sex with Sunny Megatron. Yes. Okay. We're doing great. Um, and also, of course, the co-host of American Sex Podcast, which I was just on with you and Ken. So thank Yay! you again for having me. Thank you. Um, beyond that, though, I just learned this. You were voted one of the six most savvy sexologists in North America. Yeah, I like the alliteration there. It's good. <laughs> Say that five times fast. <laughs> um, but just the lovely, the beautiful, the uh, the smart daddy, Sunny Megatron is on with us today. Thank you. Can I brag a little bit more? Because there's Please. new developments. Like <gasps> I have to rewrite my bio. I got voted Expert Sexpert of the Year. I was just on the cover of Sexual Health Magazine. American Sex Podcast just won the Asex Podcast Award. Oh, my God. And I have a new podcast, which is called Open Deeply, that I co-host with therapist Kate Larry. Like, I have just shit going on. I thought I, I was swear, busy, right? but, like, go off. Yeah. Congratulations. So, yay. Well, Sunny, thank you so much for making time today. We just had a lovely conversation over on your channel about puppies and puppy mm -hmm. play. Um, we did. And we went on tangents about Santa and uh, we even talked about butt sex with spiders. So we, we pretty much covered the gambit there. We did. We did. <laughs> um, but today uh, you were so kind and gracious to come on and just kind of talk about something that you are very well versed in, which is just kind of the the theoretical, the psychological elements of kink and specifically I, I a little bit of like erotic humiliation. Yes. But before yes, we get yes. into that, we always like to kind of catch up, see what people are into. It sounds like you've been especially busy recently with not only some awards, but new projects. Um, mm -hmm. How are you doing? What have you been up to otherwise? It's just, it's busy, but you know, you know how it is. You do what you love. So when yeah. you're doing what you love, even though you're like, whirlwind, ah, uh, it's not so bad. <laughs> it's really not. No, yeah. we, we are lucky. We are lucky yeah. to fill our brain holes and our other holes with things that we enjoy. Like mm -hmm. I just started the the whole full, the quote unquote full time content creation, whatever the hell that means. I mean, I've always been full time creating things. Um, it's it's interesting. I get to take naps now. <gasps> Have you ever done a midday nap? 
Oh my goodness. I have done midday naps. I have, I always have a vibrator on my desk. This one looks like a light bulb. Um, so, you know, in the middle of working, I might have an idea I need to take a break for that. Uh, it's great working for your, I can work at two in the morning. I can, I can sleep late. I could get up early. It doesn't matter. I've got all sorts of things on my desk. I'm just holding up everything. The Wii remotes or sorry, the, the, the switch remotes, a bone, a bottle opener. I have lots of things going on on my desk anyway (laughs) actually I would love to and we're going to get into the the psychologicals in a bit but I you are one of those people that understands all of the problems that exist on the internet that I complained about on a daily basis I feel like and literally right before we started podcasting I got a lovely email from uh the google overlords of youtube because a video no it's all good it's not bad like it's the -the run-of-the-mill bullshit but it was just like they're trying to update their their algorithms and like advertiser friendliness to allow ads on like adult shit, which is interesting. Um, but we had this video about, ironically, about uh, animal role play with kittens that literally a year and a half ago was posted. And of course, it was demonetized and restricted back then. But one of the only times, because it wasn't super sexual, it was just kind of fun and playful. They said, oh, this video is totally fine for the Internet and should get ads. It's fine. It's good. So they actually gave it a green light, you know. And then today I got an email saying that was age restricted because uh, a human reviewed it again. Like the first email they sent me years ago, a human reviewed it and said it was good to go. And then today a human apparently reviewed it again for whatever reason years later. And now it's age restricted again. And like I'm just like. You, you actually used to do YouTube a lot frequently. Yeah, you? that's yeah. how I got, you know, quote, discovered for my TV show is oh. YouTube. Um, and it, it just got so restrictive that yeah. I was just like, F this. Like, I, I can't. I, I'm not. It takes so long uh, and so much mental energy to edit a video and and oh, render yeah. it and upload it and this and that just for them it to be taken down it to be demonetized it's it so i have pretty much stopped doing youtube like sometimes i simulcast live streams and it'll end up on my feed but when it comes to producing polished edited content I'm done. We've broken it's up. frustrating. No, and I get it. I truly do. Like I, I feel that frustration and it's those, it's those stupid double standards and the uncertainty of it all. And the gambling of, Oh, is this video going to actually make the money that took to make it or not? That mm-hmm. is so frustrating. And I'm very grateful for like things like Patreon, which you also have a Patreon if, yes. if people want to go support Sunny. Um, but like that is now part of my livelihood is just the Patreons. Thank God. But It's the stupidity of platforms like that that say, well, your video is appropriate, but it's inappropriate because it's not rated G for for kids. Like, no, not everything on the Internet has to exist for children. And meanwhile, you're getting ads for vibrators and Viagra and all sorts of things, you know, on other videos that are family friendly. Mm -hmm. It's like it hurts. It hurts. It it does. Yeah. So I just like. I take my social media wherever I can get it and always plan to be on the move. I'm like, like literally a digital nomad, like just digitally a hop from platform to platform, yeah. you know, what ha- whatever has the good climate. I've lately been TikToking, which is extremely restrictive. Yeah. Um, I, but because, and the, you know, this is a lot of what we're going to talk about today. I mainly talk about 
uh, kink in a strategic, more psychological manner. I'm not like, here's how you throw a flogger. Here's how you spank. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes, and I'm verified. Like when you're verified, you can get away with shit, right? On TikTok uh, you are? Yeah. Oh, that's I'm great. Check mark. Oh. Yeah. And, I, I, and I'm just like, I don't know what special privileges I have, but seeing how everybody else's stuff is getting taken down and mine isn't, I know I have them. I just don't know what they are. Huh. Um, but, you know, I talk in code. I'm usually talking about like things that have to do with let's talk about consent and emotional intelligence. And I'm not showing tits and floggers. So it's been pretty good. And you know, if a video gets taken down, it's a minute long. There's no production, you know, time I spent on it. Sure. So I've lost 10 minutes of my life, not the end of the world. I'm actually curious just from a, a content perspective, because I, I have a TikTok and I've used it, um, mm -hmm. but I stopped using it because of that frustration, that burnout that comes along with stupid guidelines. Like I... I literally logged on to TikTok yesterday and the first thing that was in my recommended was a guy that was playing golf, but if you watched it long enough, he was doing a slow motion swing. He was not wearing underwear and you could clearly see his eight inch dick flopping around in his pants. I, I, I flagged it just to be like, I hate that this is allowed and he's getting millions of views. Right. And then immediately I get a, this doesn't break our guidelines from TikTok. And I'm just like, but me talking about rope in bondage sent. Uh, yeah, it, it's like hypocritical, no rhyme or reason. And they play favorites. Like they do, you, you know, Every platform it, uh, does. Miley Cyrus was on there with like the little X electric tapes on her nipples doing this fetish thing. And yeah. it's like, but she's Miley Cyrus. So she, if, yeah. if, you know, uh, you know, Angie that lives down the block did that. Her account would be taken down. So. Well, and, and, and then we look at things like YouTube, like one of their major creators, James Charles, just got fully demonetized because yes. they found that he was being very inappropriate with underage kids. Meanwhile, the person over here that has not done anything like that, who is just trying to educate on literal consent is getting age restricted and I, I can't get a break. But their top creator, it took them like two weeks to do anything about after yeah. multiple allegations of yeah. the child related things, which is fucking terrible. And uh, it's so frustrating. Anyway, I know. Platforms I know. suck. I feel ya. Updates in life. That that's our <laughs> that's our dad tea without without daddy here. But we do oh. we have the other daddy here, so it's okay. Yes, I'll fill in. <laughs> daddy Megatron. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, before we get into the real topic again, I'm just side tangenting. I, I said that I was talking with you today and daddy was like, wait, you're talking to, to one of the transformers. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, no. I mean, yes, daddy, good reference, but no, because <laughs> we've met you before and he knows who you are, but like the Megatron overpowered the sunny and <laughs> yeah, it, it does. It does. Yeah. It's confusing. It is. <laughs> wait, how did you get that name? Cause I don't actually know that. I pulled it out of my ass. I'm not a Transformers <gasps> fan. It was just like, those words sound good together. And it just, ha and it was, it was sort of an off the cuff, like I didn't think too much about it. I have a very unusual real name. And so I didn't, you know, for safety reasons, I didn't want to be Googled. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, I need to think of a fake name. And by the way, Sunny is my real first name. Sunshine is my real first name. Oh. Um, but yeah, and I was like, that that goes good with my first name. Okay, that's my name now. And I just made a bunch <laughs> of social media like handles and didn't really think about it. I was originally 
I'll, I'll tell you a story. I was originally Sunshine Megatron because my name's Sunshine. Uh-huh. Did not know there is this man who's apparently not a very nice man who used to own the uh, website T-shirt Hell. And he legally changed his name to Sunshine Megatron. Oh. And I was originally Sunshine Megatron on Twitter and stuff. And he sent me nasty messages. Apparently he had a vote. He was like, everybody in the world, vote what my new name should be and I'll legally change it. So like legally that was, and he got really mad at me. So I'm like, oh, I guess I have to use my, because I usually go by Sunshine in my, and I used to be Sunny as a kid. So I'm like, well, I guess I gotta be Sunny. So yeah, that's the background. Well, thank you for sharing that (laughs) stuff. What it? Well, talk about a sunny personality. That guy sounded like an asshole. God. Yeah, yeah, he's an asshole. <laughs> well, speaking of psychological, tra- no. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of psychological status. <laughs> Was that a subtle plug? Was that a subtle segue? No. Um, it's good. <laughs> so. When we first started chatting, we're like, let's do podcasty things. And I was like, what are you, what do you feel really good about? What are you an expert on? And you said, you said psychological elements and theoretical elements of kink. What, what draws you to that? Like explain that for me. uh, A lot. Uh, I think, (laughs) I think, you know, I'm turning 50 this year, which is like, ooh, and it's come with a lot of self-realization. I feel like the first time all of the elements are, of my life are falling together and making sense. Like, this is why you are the way you are. And I think part of it is because I am neurodivergent. Mm. Uh, I have a, a learning disability called nonverbal learning disability. That's kind of like a mashup between ADHD, autism spectrum, and with a, a very good dose of like spatial awareness fuckery thrown in. Oh. So like uh, my aim is horrible. Driving is hard. I can't tell left from right. Like directional things are fucked up. So for me, it's really hard to like, I don't do rope bondage because it confuses me. Tying the knots, I can never remember. And like, even uh, like throwing floggers, I just over quarantine taught myself to Florentine flog, which I is always been so intimidating. And I hit myself in the eye multiple times. It took weeks. Oh. I finally did it. Nice. But it's like, I, I'm not drawn to those things naturally when it comes to kink because I can't do directional aiming stuff. So I am naturally drawn to not only the mental stuff, but like part of my neurodivergence is because I, I can't, navigate the world with like spatial and directional or, and I can't read nonverbal cues very well. I'm hyperverbal. So I rely on talking. And so all of my kink is like psychological mind fuckery. I can be your daddy without laying a finger on you and (laughs) fuck your shit up that's where, uh, that's my realm. And I really realized, like, it took me a while to put together, like, why am I like this? That's exactly why I'm like this. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cause yeah. we were talking about puppy play and like nonverbal cues and you were like, I don't get it. I'm like, Oh, that's what <laughs> yeah. makes sense though. But like, yeah. is just a, a, a testament to like how humans naturally adapt, like adapt. Cause I yeah. love that. I love that you kind of turned that, that, that negative into a positive and you've, mm-hmm. you've kind of taught yourself how to, to really, really, really be good at communicating, which for some people's hard. It is hard. And it's <laughs> like, it took, it was a lot of trial and error. So now in my negotiations, 
one of the things, you know, when I'm negotiating with a new partner, one of my requirements is you have to give me verbal feedback during the scene. If you are somebody that goes nonverbal, we might not be compatible or we need to really talk ahead of time. And you need to tell me clearly when I do this thing, it means exactly that. So I have like a little key to translate what the nonverbal is. And I've just realized like, I can't play with people that can't use lots and lots of words to tell me exactly what's going on in their head at all times. Uh huh. Yeah. So you, I, I, and you are really good at communicating in many, did you have like a training or was there a type of training or did you, did you like always incorporate that into your sex? Like, were you the type that liked to talk on the phone a lot and, and really work someone up with like verbal, just like cues and I didn't discover that until I got into kink and I'm, uh, I got into kink when I was in my thirties and I never understood dating like, because it's all I mean, flirty, I, I eye don't winky. Yeah. Dating. <laughs> I was like vanilla dating was like, I, I feel like I am just in a foreign land. I do not know what's going on. And it was when I got into the kink community where it's like, we negotially verbal, you know, ver- uh, uh, negotially, verbally negotiate yeah. everything. I was like, oh, I found my people. Now I know what's going on. We're speaking the same language. Mm-hmm. And at that point, like I didn't realize I was neurodiverse until late in life. Like I went through, you know, childhood through my early adulthood, just like, I'm weird. Why does nobody like me? Why am I so confused all the time? Is this right or left? You know? (laughs) (laughs) And then it's like, it's like, oh, it all makes sense. Light bulb, vibrator light bulb. Oh, it all makes sense. I didn't even realize that was a light bulb shaped vibrator. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's the G bulb. It's fucking amazing. Oh my, what does it do? It, it, so this is cool. And by the way, like people who want to go to my stuff, I do have a discount code for this. Oh, uh, plug but it. like, it's just my name, Sunny, S-U-N-N-Y, 20% off. It's okay. I got this because I was like, this is a vibrator or a light bulb shaped vibrator. It's just weird. And, and I could do puns like, oh, look, I have an idea. I'm horny. Or, uh, you know, when I come, I see the light or whatever. <laughs> and then I, I used it and it's like having the head of a Hitachi like wand vibrator oh. without the big the, handle oh. and the, the hard to maneuver. It's like a compact mini head of a Hitachi that's waterproof. And I'm like, oh my God, I just thought this was a joke until that's... I use it. And now I love it. So I like it. not Patreon people, it is literally a bowl, a light bulb shaped dildo, but it's pink yeah. and it has a little like bottom screw, which I imagine is where you charge it in probably. Yeah, it's it's a wireless charger. <gasps> that, and then the, the, the power button is on the bottom. Too. Not sponsored, but where is it from? Just because that now it's G Vibe. If you oh, okay. go to gvibe.com, look up the G Bulb, Sunny 20% off. Okay. Yeah, get I that. Love it. Get them sex toys. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about a light bulb. <laughs> so you really like words. I mean, words have power. And we yeah. use the word sex to mean so many things in our language. Like, I think that just goes to show how diverse and also terrible words can be. <laughs> Because like yeah. you you say red and then you're not sure if it's a color or you're reading something or if it's past tense or it, safe word yeah <laughs> <laughs> but how how do you work that into a scene like do you sit down with someone and you're like I want to psychologically terrify you like do you get into the talks of edge play like how do you how do you use that to your benefit. 
Well, you know, I'm very upfront with people and I'm like, I am a psychological sadist and, uh, you know, an ethical psychological sadist. Of course, of course. Um, But that's my realm. I, my uh, scenes are also very humorous. Like I'm a funny person and it's kind of like giant mindfuck practical jokes. Those are my scenes. Um, and that's like the, the mood that I like to, to live in. I'm into clown play. I so I, know you know, dress, yeah, dress as a clown and that, that freaks a lot of people out. And I like it one when it's just silly and everyone's on board with like, we're cool being clowns. And I also love it when people are like, I'm fucking terrified of clowns. I'm like, who's your clown? Bitch? <laughs> you know? So it can go so many different ways. Yeah. Would you say you liked clowning around? I do like clowning around. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? With clown sex, it tastes funny. Oh. oh. I appreciate that you also have a love of puns. Yeah, I am a pun sexual, which is actually part of my neurodivergence. Like when you look at the traits, really good at puns is oh. actually one of the traits of nonverbal learning disability. Interesting. I Yeah. I think I'm pretty okay at learning, but like I've always been, so like I have a background in teaching swimming lessons and I'm uh-huh. really good at teaching swimming lessons because like motion and movement, like I'm good at dancing, but I'm not a dancer. Like mm-hmm. give me some music. I could follow a, a music video dancer easily, but if you tried to ask me the, the steps and the one, two, three, four, no, can't do that. Yeah. But then like puns, which tangent, like um, I think it was like RuPaul that said like puns are just like elevated talking. Like it's it's literally like working a pun into conversation just shows that you're paying attention to more than just what's being said, but also paying attention to different, different connections that could happen. Yeah. Like the different layers of meaning and like points of view. Yeah. 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 Again, because red could be a safe word, a a light bulb color, or you could be reading someone quite literally for filth. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Totally. Totally. And my scenes also, there are lots of puns in my scenes. Oh my God. Like I will be in the middle of just like psychologically fucking somebody up and maybe they're crying and they're like, I don't know what's going to happen next. And then just the perfect pun and I drop a pun on them and then they're laughing and crying and shaking. And that's where I like to be. And that's so, and this is a part of the psychological that I really want to talk about. If you'll allow the tangent there, like the emotional state that somebody is in, obviously consented upon, obviously it's something that you, you are, you are saying, Hey, we're going to get there. You know, we're going to go to this place. Are you okay with that? But it is a bit of edge play to it. How do you navigate that? It's hard. It's, it's, it's a lot of, I don't like to play with people that I don't know well. Sure. Um, however, like side note for, for a minute, a few years ago, or actually for a couple of years, a few years ago, I started doing phone domination and I just did it because I was broke. Uh, but I realized that really helped me hone in my verbal skills and also, um, hone into reading people quickly Mm -hmm. because you don't have that relationship with somebody like you would in real life. And you don't even really have the opportunity to do full negotiation. Um, so that actually really helped me hone in my skills, but when I'm doing, uh, you know, real life lifestyle, fun play, it's usually with people I know very well. It's usually very clear that, okay, this is edge play. This could go very wrong. We talk about, 
you know, what are your uh, known triggers? Like, mm. do you have PTSD triggers? Uh, what is a trigger plan? Uh, I just recently, and I'm, I've got notes here, uh, came across a psychotherapist. If I can find the notes, what's his name? Uh, a psychotherapist from Canada that wrote, uh, and, you know, if you have show notes, I'll look up the name later. I can't yeah. remember his name. No worries, no worries. Um, but he came up with, you know how there's the five love languages? Yes, there's he came up with the and I'm not sure if there's five, might, there may be more, but there's safety languages for when you feel like you've been triggered or, you know, and so I go over that with my submissives a lot like, OK, not only what triggers you, you know, what mental health issues might affect the scene that we're doing. But what do we do if you get triggered? What brings you to safety? What grounds you? So there's a lot of time oh. spent on that kind of negotiation. Is it Jake Ernst? Yes, that's it. Oh. Jake, it's the, the uh, uh, I forget what he titled them. But like I just this week I was introduced to those and I'm like, I'm incorporating that shit in my negotiations. Trauma. Brilliant. Trauma-informed love language is called the route of safety. Yes, fascinating safety model. Yeah, this is hot off the presses. I was Googling. I literally Googled whatever you had just said, Sunny, and, and it was the first thing that came up. Yes! Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. By Jake Ernst. If you'd like to check it out, that is so fascinating because yeah. it covers things like common humanity, inner guidance, structure and certainty, sensory experiences. Wow. It takes into account a lot of different things that, that you don't really think about often. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and we, we can think about like shit, like sometimes we don't know our triggers. Like that's the bad thing is mm. when you are getting triggered in a scene, like legit, just, you know, you can plan, you can negotiate your heart out. You can have all these safety things in place. You can be like, oh, I'm not going to go there. And then just, it could be a smell, yeah. a word, something that just like brings you back into that place where you're triggered. And now this is not fun anymore. Correct. We need to stop some shit's happening. And we may or may, may not be able to name what those kind of things are before we get into a scene. If it's happened to us before, we can say, oh yeah, the smell of lavender, or if you use these words, mm -hmm. or if, you know, whatever. If we've never been triggered before, the, the way we find out our triggers is the hard way. Yeah. And we don't think about what do we do? How do we come down from that? What do you need? It's more than just your typical aftercare scenario, you yeah. know? And I, I often, you know, I will say to people that kink apps, and, and you said this too, same thing. Kink can be therapeutic, but it's not therapy. Correct. Not a, not and, a replacement. And I, I don't want to pathologize kink and say, we all do kink to explore our trauma because that's not true. However, mm. do some of us do that? Sure. Absolutely. You know, it, it's, it's one legit route of many. Um, but uh, I forgot where I was going. So I, was <laughs> I totally just went out of my brain. I don't know what, where I was going. But yeah, it's, it's difficult. You know, I, I often say that safety measures in scenes are like Swiss cheese. So like you oh. can have safe words in place and the, the piece of Swiss cheese is mostly solid, but there's a few holes in it. So then you huh. should have another layer of Swiss cheese. That's maybe like, don't just rely on your safe word. 
but especially when you're playing to this depth, if you're really playing with psychological play, mm -hmm. then maybe have in place, uh, you've had a discussion with your submit or with your dominant or your dominant knows you well enough. And even though I'm saying dominant, do not discount the fact that sometimes doms can get triggered too. Absolutely. You know? um, but like, let's say, you know, we're, we're just talking about the submissive being triggered that uh, they know you well enough to know that when you start to look this way, and again, we're getting that nonverbal, something might be wrong and maybe you're not able to say words. So that's another layer of Swiss mm -hmm. cheese. And then maybe you have some more, and that's another, but know that you could just, you know, roll low, you know, roll a one and go through all those holes in the Swiss cheese, even though you've planned as much as you could and you could have a really fucking terrible time. Yeah. And even though I tell people BDSM is not therapy, I also recognize the privilege in being able to find a therapist, to afford a therapist, and to also find a therapist that is kink friendly enough that you can talk about what happens in your scenes with your therapist. If you can find that, that is the trifecta to be able to be like, I did the scene last Saturday and the shit came up and I want to talk to you about it, you know, mm -hmm. therapist. Um, but I realized that some people do use kink as therapy. And even though as a professional, I have, I'm obligated to say never do that. But as a realist, I know some people do that because that's all they have. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not, a, it's not a great option, but it's the real option. And it, it helps us work through. And I think that this is kind of a natural uh, way to, to take the conversation. Like for myself, I believe in therapy. I think that therapy is great for people. I think that everyone should do it if they can, but also it is not a bad thing. A lot of people have that negative connotation that like, if I'm doing therapy, something's bad. No, maybe you just need to work through something. And it's actually a very good thing to to sit down and realize, hey, we're all humans and we have flaws and we're a little fucked up and that's okay. Yeah. Um, but then there's the people that will turn towards like the erotic humiliation and the, the edge play that kind of comes along with some kinks. And they use that as an escape. You know, we, we use that, that sadomasochism to get out of our, our own head and, and kind of work through these learned behaviors and, and break them down. But we can also use it as like a way to be very self-aware of things that trigger us and try to, to move on and, and build from that. Yeah. And while it's not for me, I totally get how like being called, you know, things that, that triggered you back in, in when you were a kid or when you were very formative, like can help you to grow, but you're going it, to, it's a, it's a very interesting, very raw emotional state that obviously you need to trust someone, but mm -hmm. like how, what is, what is your take on that? Like, yeah, it's, 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 this is, this is where I tangle and light up. Cause this is the ooh, stuff that ooh, I love, okay. you know? And I think the the first thing we have to recognize is there is a difference between um, like triggering yourself to the point where you are reliving that experience over and over to your detriment. Like you're getting stuck, you know, playing those old tapes over and over and over and over versus playing with different elements of your trauma in order to understand it, overcome it, grow from it, even rewire, you know, like the neurologists say what fires together, wires together in your brain. If you have a certain, um, you know, pat, like when I have this feeling, I react this way. And then I go into this, like, you know, trauma spiral or whatever. Mm -hmm. If you purposely try to rewrite that pattern, 
and you do it enough, like you can really rewrite the, the knee jerk reaction that your brain has, like feel this feeling spiral down into that feeling depression, bad. So you it's know, like, so you can start to rework that. It's like, like that muscle CBT, memory. but not CBT. Yeah. A different form of, of CBT. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, uh, I have a whole like humiliation class where we get really deep into uh, parsing out humiliation and like the different levels of humiliation. I taught it recently and someone said to me like, oh my God, it's like you're the Brene Brown of kink and we're exploring our shame. And how, and I was like, that is the best compliment I've ever heard, but yes. <laughs> um, so, you know, and, and it's funny because like when I started teaching this class, I wasn't really familiar with Brene Brown shame research. And I, I, uh, made this spectrum of humiliation, like from like the oh. lightest humiliation to the, the heaviest. And then I just a, like a couple of years ago, looked upon Brene Brown's kind of spectrum of shame. Uh-huh. And it was really fucking similar. So then I've taken uh-huh. some of what, and now it's like, helped me sort of reformulate my spectrum to incorporate some of her shame research, but still, even without me knowing they were almost exact, it was really weird. That's very, that's very, very cool in a way. Can you actually, can you explain uh, who Brene Brown is and like the, the, the yeah, research Bre- there for Bre- people? Brene Brown is a shame researcher and she's fucking amazing. What a job. Um, yeah. <laughs> she has a podcast. I forget the name of it, but just look Brene Brown podcast. Sure. B-R-E-N-E something. I don't know. Uh, and she, she parses out like the roles that shame and vulnerability and you know all of these emotional things not only play in our lives but play in our relationships and how we can overcome it and be more shame resilient because like when you really think about it and and this is true in a human context or even in a kink context when you're especially when you're playing with with mental stuff shame rules our lives you know if we got like you were saying you know you got called the name when you were a little kid or you know something shameful happened or your parents instilled in you that like this thing is very shameful that sticks with you that shapes you oh yeah that 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 dictates how you interact with other people that can be like you're in a great mood and someone says this one word Mm -hmm. that reminds you of your shame and suddenly it's like you're back in that place And, um, like, you know, I'll I'll talk about the, my, my spectrum of humiliation, like really fucking briefly. Um, a lot of people think when you're playing with erotic humiliation, that you go straight to that shame place, that, that place that makes you feel like you're not worthy as a human being. So when I'm negotiating with people, when I play, I actually have a system for negotiating. Um, and one of the, the points in my system is like, okay, humiliation, let's discuss that. And when I get to the H in my acronym for humiliation, most people, especially cis women, were like, fuck that. I don't want to be humiliated. It is horrible. I get called, you know, stupid and ugly and fat, or I get talked over by men at work and this and that. I don't want those things to happen in the bedroom. That's not fun. And it's like, well, first of all, why do you equate humiliation with like that thing that gets you at your core that makes you feel horrible? It's so much bigger than that. Sure. And some people do choose to play with that, which is very edgy, 
and can be dangerous, but it can also be therapeutic. But like, before we get to that, you know, really heavy stuff, it's like, you know, first we have on the lightest end of the spectrum, embarrassment. And embarrassment can be, oh, I was walking down the street and I slipped on a banana peel and I fell in front of everybody. And, but the thing about embarrassment is uh, there's empathy there because when you see someone walk down the street and fall on a banana peel, you might laugh, but somewhere in your, your mentality is like, I'm laughing because I've been there too. I had a time where I took a spill in front of a peel. I can totally relate to what you're going through, even though I'm still kind of laughing. Sure. You know, so if we're playing with embarrassment in a scene, that can be fun. That can be, you're at a party and I'm going to make you wear some panties. And I want you to, to get up in front of everyone and shake your cute little ass. And even though you're kind of like, Oh my God, you know, maybe you're like a, a straight cis man and I'm doing a little bit of like, you know, forced feminization on you. So there's that embarrassment there. There's also a part of you that's like, but I still do kind of dig this and this is fun. Yeah. And it's that fun embarrassment. So a lot of times humiliation play can be in just that realm and that's great, you know? And then we have guilt, which is sometimes you can feel the same things you feel with shame when you feel guilt, you know, mm-hmm. um, you kind of feel bad, you feel, uh, but the difference is you don't internalize it. You don't, you know, you're not like, let's say you have a protocol where it's like, um, you know, every, every day at five 30, I make a Manhattan for my daddy and it's at five 30 on the nose. I'm never late. And you got caught up in something and you were, and it was like five 45 and you were like, shit. You feel guilty, you know what I mean? And you're like, fuck, I should have, no, I'm going to get in trouble. Oh, maybe I'm getting punished. Maybe you kind of like punishment, whatever. But the thing is with guilt, you don't internalize it. You don't mean, you don't go to, and that means I'm a horrible person. I'm worthless. I'm value. No, you just feel like, fuck. It's like when you forget to feed the dog and then the dogs look at you, you're like, oh shit, I'm sorry. But once you give the daddy, I mean the dog, the food, then then everything's fine. Exactly. So it's like, Guilt can also be a fun place to play with and it can be motivating. Like, do you Mm -hmm. want to feel guilty? No, just get your shit done on time. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it's when we get into shame that like, you know, it's that same sort of thing, but we internalize, like it, it reflects our value as a human being. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and you know, there's also humiliation on the spectrum, which is actually right before shame. And uh, even though we call all of this kind of play humiliation, you know, humiliation, it's from the Latin root humiliare, which means like to lower oneself to the ground. It's very grounding. (laughs) It's very, um, it's again, some of the same types of things that people might shame you with, but the difference is instead of internalizing it, there's a part of you that knows that's not true. Yeah. So if someone's like, you didn't get your daddy that Manhattan because uh, you can't get anything right. You're always late. You're, you know, worthless. There's a little part inside your brain that's like, I'm not. So in a way, it's very roundaboutly kind of forcing yourself to give yourself an internal affirmation that you're not that horrible thing. Fuck you. I'm not that. Don't uh, call me that. You know what I mean? So that can be. Absolutely. Yeah, that can be a, a positive thing. 
And then when we get to shame, that's when we're like, we're the worthless whore. We're good for nothing. We're never on time. We're never going to amount to anything. And that's when we get to like, mm, kink is not therapy. Sure. <laughs> However, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, but like, that's a, that's where kind of that, that cognitive behavioral therapy that you give yourself is like my, my kinks and my turn-ons are not shameful. Like they are valid. There's something that I get off to and I enjoy and yeah, this is hot and maybe at times very vulnerable, but that's kind of what makes it sexy in that way. Yeah. And it's the communication that, you know, this person understands what that means for you, at least in, in my own personal experience that makes it hot and makes it intimate. Because yeah. you're consenting, you've communicated. Um, totally. And, and I don't want to cut you off from whatever you were about to say. So go ahead. <laughs> no, no. But no, you're right. There is there one of the big differences is even if you're choosing to play with shame, which some people that's off limits, and mm-hmm. some people are like, oh, that's where I love to play. I love to deep yeah. broken emotionally, you know. Um, it's the autonomy, it's the fact that you have consented to this, you have chosen this. If if it's a real world situation. You haven't consented to that. The outcome's usually shitty. You go home and cry or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But in this, the outcome is not only have you chosen how this is going to go and consented to it. The outcome is usually like, I'm going to get some good aftercare and some cuddles. Maybe I'll get an orgasm. Maybe I'll get. So again, you're like rewriting that internal script that Mm -hmm. is your knee jerk reaction. Now with shame, a lot of people are like, I still don't understand how I can play with that. And I'll give you an example. Let's say there is a woman who has body image issues. Maybe she is a fat woman or she has really saggy boobs or, you know, there's something about her body that she doesn't like. And it has been her whole life. She's had these body image issues. It really weighs on her. And maybe in, in her logical default world, she's like, but I'm part of the body positive movement. And I know I should celebrate my size and and it doesn't bother me. But still somewhere, there's that little self-talk when she looks in the mirror sometimes, like you're fat, you know, those things from childhood or, you know, whatever that society told us, that no matter how hard you try to logic yourself out of it, those little voices come, right? Yeah. So maybe in bed, let's say she, uh, you know, has a partner and uh, she wants that partner to, you know, you have the saggiest, ugliest grandma boobs I've ever seen. And you're fat and you're ugly and you're worth someone listening to that on the outside. That's when they go, why would I ever want somebody to call me that? But maybe, and again, there is no one psychological way. I'm just giving a random example, but maybe for this person, that self-talk that's that deprecating self-talk that she wants so bad to push away and tries to push away but it's always there when she looks in the mirror to hear it verbalized Mm -hmm. and to really be able to confront those horrible things that she thinks about herself that can be like to just be able to run it off like get it fucking out of your system and not only hear those words out loud but hear those words out loud from somebody who loves you Mm. who's somebody you think the world of and they're they're making you confront those things that you think about yourself and not only can that be healing for some people and it could be fucking traumatic as hell for other people you know Um, but in this situation this person finds it healing at the end that person that called her all of those horrible things that she's called herself for years still loves her and still 
you know, in the aftercare says, no, really, I think you're beautiful and I love your body and let me give you an orgasm or whatever. That's fucking powerful. Like, you know, so that's just a, a, a quick nutshell of like some of the different ways we can use humiliation from the lighter playful to the like really intense psychological edge play. And again, that's one of uh, infinite examples, but mm-hmm. just to show you, yeah, it's possible and it works for some people. Oh, for sure. Well, and and I, th- I think that gives a lot of knowledge context to kind of a, a humiliation as a good thing, but also gives a lot of like bullet points of like, words that are being used are important like the the context obviously what turns you on but also kind of factoring in like i'm not i'm not big into humiliation myself like i'll get into like chastity because i think it's hot because it's like there's different aspects to it but there is absolutely a humiliation factor to chastity play and like oh you're worthless you're such a small like your your genitals are so tiny oh but it's kind of hot in that way because you're being you know humiliated consensually but then at the same time, and this is just my own personal experience, like I had someone the other day on my fan platform thing be like requesting a video for them where I'm in chastity, but because I'm someone that they look up to and I'm in chastity, then making fun of how small they are makes them even more degraded and like humiliated. And it's just, it's such an interesting mind space and headspace to get into when you find something so, so self it's almost self-affirming in a way because they were like so comfortable with their requests being like i know that i have a small penis and i want you to make fun of me for it because i find that really hot and that makes mm-hmm. me feel powerful and i'm just like that's really beautiful you know yeah. in its own way like yeah and also pay me for it okay <laughs> right right yeah totally and you know it's interesting because you know one of the confusing things about humiliation play or really any kind of psychological play is it is highly individual and very subjective and intelligent like Like, and and very intelligent like you have to be very intelligent to be able to comprehend that kind of situation exactly yeah and like so like let's use your instance you know of the the small penis guy right please and (laughs) you know you have to think that you cannot humiliate somebody if it's something that they don't find humiliating exactly and you cannot say that this one thing is either humiliating or falls on the humiliation spectrum in this bucket because it's different for everybody. So I could say to somebody, oh, look at your tiny little pecker, and they could be like, whatever. It doesn't bother me. That doesn't even fall on my scale of humiliation at all. Like Mm -hmm. that, what? Rolls off my back. Or, you know, it could hit that embarrassment or even that humiliation area where it's still kind of playful and constructive. Like if it's embarrassment, it's just like giggle, giggle, giggle. If it's humiliation, it might be like, well, it's kind of, you know, kind of feels a little emotionally serious, but it also makes me in my head go, no, I'm not. You're just being a bitch. <laughs> um, or it could fall into that shame where maybe they did get tea or they have, you know, some kind of trauma related to that and it could they could start crying and it could you know they could be cathartic tears or it could be like oh we fucked up and this scene didn't go very well and now you know you're in trauma response yeah uh so it's just you know there's so much nuance and we talked about this on my podcast that kink is highly customizable you know consent is the the constant but everything else is a big gray area it's a huge variable and there's so much nuance and self-awareness and emotional intelligence 
that has to factor into this kind of psychological play that I think a lot of us, like we're, we're not accustomed to thinking that way. Like um, America does not raise people to be emotionally intelligent or to think about gray areas and nuance. Like mm. we're very black and white. So it's hard for us to tap into that, that, you know, subjective space in vanilla default world. Mm -hmm. A lot of us have a hard time doing it then to, to play with it and bring it into the safe container of kink Yeah, is really fucking hard. It is. It is. Yeah. It's trying to comprehend magic when you're a muggle. Like, yeah, it, totally, totally. And then even when you comprehend magic, like you could, you could maybe mean to turn the lights off and you've accidentally blown off the roof because you got the spell wrong, even though you thought you studied it. Is it Leviosa like, or Leviosa? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, hence why this psychological play is edge play. Because we mm -hmm. could think that like, we've read all the books, we know all the psychological things, da, 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 and we could still go through all the holes of the Swiss cheese and it could really fuck your shit up. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And and we're not like, we're not like getting too pressed for time, but I do want to be conscious of time. Yeah. But as we talk about all this, I want to talk about something that I'm personally curious about. It's like, it's it's not always about the bottom. Even though most of the time we're teaching things with with the bottom's perspective in mind, because bottom's consent and consent can be given and taken back and da 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 da. But what about the tops? In this specifically, I feel like if I were a top that was into hu humiliating people, um, I that seems so emotionally like confusing and draining and and possibly even harder for the top in this situation because they have to verbally degrade someone sometimes. Like, yes. tell me about that. Yeah. So for me, I'm a top and uh, my aftercare, especially in these kind of scenes, involves please reassure me that I wasn't an asshole. Oh. Like, even though I did exactly what we consented to, when we're in the moment, especially if it's a heavy scene, there's still some emotionally serious stuff, you know, mm -hmm. feelings that we're, we're feeling. And I want to know I'm not an asshole. Um, there's also, and I'm, I'm going to put like a, a disclaimer out there. Yeah especially for tops. And, you know, I'm more in the, uh, you know, pansexual, queer, with also a good dose of cis heteronormative folks scene, right? Yeah. And I see a lot of cis male tops that are doming women. Um, mm -hmm. When you are a top and you are at the height of the oppression ladder, and you don't know what it feels like to be in that place of oppression and to have that kind of trauma, it's a very delicate place to be in. Um, and I definitely do see tops that don't think about that. And they're just like, I get off on humiliating the shit out of you. Especially like if I see white men that are really into race play, I'm like, oh, oh, oh no, no. You know, and I also like if you're if you're a, a white dude who's into humiliating, you know, let's say your partners tend to be women of color. Yeah. You, you got some unpacking to do. Like what is your motivation here? And I'm not saying all of those situations are wrong. I'm just saying those situations require a little bit more self-analysis and self-reflection to make sure it is coming from a good place and yeah and work and and yeah, exactly. self-awareness self of the situation exactly. especially so like for tops you know 
there's a lot of reasons why tops can enjoy being in this position. For a lot of people, it can just be healing for you to facilitate somebody else's healing. Fair. Um, and, and just that in itself, you know, for other people, it can definitely, you know, of course it could be empowering and therapeutic to have control, you know, maybe, and it's not just because you're an asshole and ah, I'm going to dominate you. Maybe it's because you've had other areas in your life where you haven't had control. So, and that for me as a, as a cis woman dominant, that's a lot of it, especially when I'm dominating men, there is a part for me where I play out like, I finally get to be the one in control, um, you know, and it, it could help rewrite those, those narratives where they didn't have control. That could be super powerful. Um, and also just being a top and facilitating that kind of thing takes so much trust yeah. and so much intimacy that that in itself can be the draw, you know, you have gone to this deep emotional place with your partner that you've never been before. And that definitely impacts your intimacy, both inside and outside of the dungeon, mm -hmm. you know? So there's a lot of people don't look at like, why are the tops doing it? It's just because they're assholes. And they want to call people names. No, there's also, and sometimes it's just fun. Sometimes like, I, again, I don't want to pathologize kink and be like, it's always ties back to our trauma and what happened in our childhood. Blah, blah, blah. Sometimes it's just fucking fun to play and it's fucking fun to play the bad guy. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Yeah. You know, it doesn't I, have yeah. to be deeper than that. Yeah. It, it can be surface level or it can be incredibly deep. That, mm -hmm. that Huh. Wow. Speaking of deep, <laughs> that was, that flew by as far as conversations go. But before, before we go, um, and before, before we, we close it down and tell everyone where they can find you, I would love if you have any really good tips for people that want to get into this, whether that from the top or the bottom, like just some good reminders for people that want to get into this psychological or the, the humiliation or just any of that kind of edge play. Yeah. I mean, number one, it is edge play. Uh, it is, you know, rack, risk aware, consensual kink. Uh, it is not a beginner activity. Yeah. And it really does require self work. You know, even if you're, if, you, if you're the top and you feel like this isn't about my deep shit, it's about their, no, it requires self work on your part too. Mm. Um, I definitely would recommend uh, doing reading. There isn't a lot on erotic humiliation. Princess Callie has a book called Enough to Make You Blush and also a companion workbook, which I think if I'm not mistaken is the only book about erotic humiliation. Mm -hmm. um, I also have uh, one of my humiliation classes. that's just, you know, a replay that you can get and a humiliation workbook to help you not only negotiate with partners, but really like the first person you negotiate and kink should be with yourself, mm -hmm. you know, and to help you do some of that self-work and get you thinking, but it really is an ongoing process. It's not like I'm going to go to a flogger class and or watch some YouTube videos and learn how to Florentine flog over a long weekend. <laughs> it's, it's something that, you know, and hit yourself in the eye repeatedly like me, but um, you're constantly learning and constantly evolving. And I think just if people can understand like the, the seriousness and the gravity of that this type of play can hold, mm. uh, that's everything. And to know that you're going to fuck up, you're not perfect. Shit's going to go wrong and plan for it. I, I love all of those pointers. And to that would add, be kind to yourself. 
understand that your kinks are valid and that your shame, like what, what you feel shame about should not be something that you are like shame happens, but that doesn't mean we have to be ashamed of it at all times. And like, this can be used to help you grow hopefully, and that you can connect with someone because when you're sharing that kind of vulnerable shit, like you, you feel, you feel like you know someone a bit better, you know, that you feel yeah. like you can talk to someone about that kind of shit. So yeah. be kind to yourself. You know, you can only have shame about something if you're ashamed and you let people feel that, you know, and uh, yeah. Wow. What a and deep read conversation. Sober Brown. Read Sober Day Brown there you and go. like apply it to kids. <laughs> Seriously. Yes. I appreciate that. Sunny, thank you so much for today's conversation. Um, I was not expecting it to get so, so like, intellectual and like so much education coming from it and hopefully teaching other people like you're always so bubbly and nice and so it was nice to have a really really important conversation like that not that i'm saying you couldn't i have to say too i forgot to mention another thing i'm working on is a book oh and it's all about strategic the strategic side of kink so like not only you know negotiation and like understanding yourself and but there's going to be humiliation and like all of that that the you know soft skills which i hate that word the soft skills but um soft skills that make us hard exactly (laughs) i love it uh i don't know i'm I'm thinking maybe next year it'll be out but yeah hopefully we don't really have a playbook for this kind of stuff yeah so i'm hoping to, to create that playbook I, I can't wait to read it. But um, what can I do in the meantime as far as what you're up to? Where, where can I check you out otherwise? what Get, get all them plugs in so that people yeah, can find you. I, I am Sunny Megatron everywhere. Just at tag S-U-N-N-Y Megatron uh, or SunnyMegatron.com. My podcast, to my award-winning podcast. <laughs> <laughs> get that. Get that I promo. say that now. Um, is American Sex Podcast, which is on you know all platforms and streaming and you know wherever you find podcasts. And then my new podcast with therapist Kate Lurie, where we do dive like we get into all of this psychological stuff, um, nice. is open deeply, and that's available everywhere too. I love it. Well, I I didn't know that you had that second podcast, so I'm gonna go subscribe to that. But otherwise, we love we love the American Sex Pod. We love Sunny Megatron here. Go check out the episode that um that we did with myself, Sunny, and Ken on Puppy Play and everything. Yeah. We what did we talk? I talked about something else, but oh, censorship. We, we also did an episode yeah. on censorship back when yeah. the YouTube stuff started. So mm-hmm. please, please, please go send some love to some of our favorites. Uh, go get some sex positivity in your life. And remember to just, uh, words, humiliate with consent and have some fun, but also be kind. Sunny, do you want to, do you want to, one last thing. Ready, Sunny, go. Take us out with something intellectual. Go. Okay. My, my motto, it's been the motto for the day in my life. Kink is customizable. Don't, don't let people tell you you're not humiliating the right way you're not being a top the right way you're not being a whatever the right way you're not wearing the right clothes you're supposed to do it like that fuck that as long as you have consent and you're doing it with your partner's best interests and ethics in mind do whatever the fuck you want yes and we will yes. see you next time what's your safe word bye, bye. <laughs> Oh, Sunny, thank you so much. Again, yeah. I was not, I'm not surprised by the the depth of that conversation, but I am very, very titillated by it. I love, I love talking about the the things that make people tick and you're so good yes. at it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I love these conversations. Like, it, like th- this is, what? <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> your hair I looks won't great, let Sunny. That embarrass your... me. Is that embarrassment? Or I mean, I could post it on the internet, and you can you can roll with it. <laughs> also, put kink is customizable on a shirt, please. Do it. <laughs> 